Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're chatting a new Norwegian disaster film, a Castlevania homage, haunting dinosaurs, and a found footage folk horror. Mm-hmm. It's video game week over here. <laughs> it sure is. It's going to be video game for me week the next two weeks for sure. I know. Oh, <laughs> I know it is. Um, But before we talk about video games, what is this Norwegian disaster film? I know we talked about two last week, so we're on to the third one. We sure (laughs) did. And so when this episode drops, The Burning Sea, which is not completely related to The Quake or The Wave, but it's directed by the same director as The Quake, Mm. and it's written by um, the same team. And so it's another Norwegian-produced disaster film. I would say it's kind of like a smaller personal scope but a bigger disaster if that makes sense so the idea is that there's like this oil platform and it's it's off the norwegian coast it's where a lot of norway gets their finance according to this movie it's a big thing one of the oil platforms crashes goes down dumps oil into the sea Mm. and they think that it's just a problem with the platform and then they send this team over to go explore the wreckage and they discover that, uh, no, the ground is unstable, and this is going to cause massive problems in the oil area. And so they start to do an evacuation, and the, the, uh, one of the, the women who is on the team that has like these kind of snake-like robots that go under the water and, and like explore things, mm-hmm. her, her name is Sophia, and her boyfriend, Stian, who also has a son not with her, And they're sort of like trying to cohabitate together a little bit, but she kind of keeps her uh, little um, bathroom bag, toiletry bag, toiletry bag. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't, (laughs) I don't know what to, I can't help you here. I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. (laughs) 
<laughs> like know. words. What do I say? <laughs> she keeps it, all of her stuff in her toiletry bag. She does not. She stays the night, but she doesn't like want to commit to making this her home because she likes to have her life separate from his. But he has a son. They're all very close. He wants her to move in. He wants to propose to her. He also works on the oil refinery. Surprise, he's left behind on the oil refinery. And they don't want to risk people to save one person because he's probably dead anyway. And so she manages to go out there on the helicopter and do a daring rescue. So she's trying to save him from an exploding oil refinery. Meanwhile, they're trying to contain what could be an ecological disaster that stretches along the Europe coast, which would affect everybody. So there's that. It's good. I would. I don't think it's as like. I think if I were to rate the movies, it's honestly they don't get they don't get better than that first the wave. So I think the wave is better than the quake, and the quake is better than the burning sea. Okay. But I still enjoy this one an awful lot. It has some great special effects. I think it's a little bit more miniature in scope in terms okay. of like the personal drama, but it's really good and it's out there on VOD. So if you liked the quake and you like the wave, I would recommend going to go check this one out because it's by the same creative team. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm glad it was so good. Like, yeah, I feel like it's so hard when you make a movie like the wave and I still haven't seen it, but like, I know like hearing you talk about it and other people, it's hard to kind of top that. Oh yeah. But I also really love to hear that other countries making disaster movies. I just Mm -hmm. feel like we hear so much about the States and it's like LA is burning. New York is underwater. Everything's frozen. (laughs) So I, it's just kind of cool to see another country's take on the disaster movie mm-hmm. um, and kind of breaking out of that, that like the big Hollywood blockbuster kind of like framework. Right. It's cool. It's really cool. And also throwing a bunch of really great effects. I mean, it looks really good. It doesn't look cheap or crappy. It looks Hell like yeah. a, you know, mid-budget Hollywood movie. Like it's not bad Hell looking yeah. by any stretch of the means. Cool. Love that. So if you're yeah. a disaster, that sounds like a good <laughs> weekend. Feeling sad about the world? Watch these three disaster movies. <laughs> Which is what I did that weekend. <laughs> One after the other. <laughs> Feeling good. Feeling great. I mean, the world is a disaster right now. The so world in is multiple fact ways. A disaster. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, disaster aside, I want to hear about this Castlevania homage, because I love Castlevania. Okay, so I love video games. We know this. I'm not as big of a player. I am more of a watcher of other people playing video games due to, like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I watched um, on Giant Bomb, which is one of my favorite video... Uh, not Giant mm-hmm. Bomb. Pardon me. Next Lander, um, which was made... but Which is... Nextlander is basically three of the guys from Giant Bomb who broke off and made their own oh. site. Mm-hmm. And they covered Infernax, this the game that I'm talking about. And I was obsessed with the graphics. I was obsessed with the gore and the soundtrack. And I have never played a Castlevania game. I have watched people play them. I know they're incredibly hard. And I get really frustrated with myself with those games because I get really frustrated that I'm bad at them and that I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but for some reason... I wanted to play this game and try it. So I've been playing Infernax, which is out now on my Switch for the past week, and I have not been able to stop playing it. I am obsessed with it. It is so good. It's really fucking hard, and I've gotten really frustrated. (laughs) But I still have gotten really far. So I'm, I'm almost done with the game. I have one more 
dungeon, and then the final boss to do. Is there a story? There is, so, yeah, sort of. So the story is that you are a knight named Alcador who is coming home from a great war. And you've come home, and you've been gone for a year, and now you're home, but something really bad has happened to the, the world that you are, like, you're leading. There are monsters everywhere, there's demons, werewolves atrocities. So you're going through these different parts of your kingdom to reclaim these castles and figure out who is doing this to okay. your people. So it's like a side scroller. So it's like, you know, you have little part, like you go, you go through one screen with enemies and you go to the other and then you, you know, it cuts to another scene and you're going through the map like that. You can upgrade everything like your mana, your life, and it's just, it is very much Castlevania in terms of how it's modeled. You have like a mace, so it's almost like the whip that you have in Castlevania. Um, it's very much a Castlevania 2, specifically, but it's about 10 hours long. Um, if you're playing it and you're really good at these kinds of games, I'm not, so it's taking me longer, but I'm still having fun because there's like, there's the main storyline where you can just get all the dungeons and then you're done. But there's all these side quests that you can go on for people. And there's, mm -hmm. I think, nine different endings of, like, ultimate good, ultimate evil, not so evil, not so good. And it's all these different, like, options you can have to have all these different kinds of endings. Because there are a couple different things that you can do talking to, like, bad guys where you can, like, burn towns down instead of save oh, them. Wow. Or, like, flood a town instead of keep it intact. So... It gives you a lot of these really interesting, like, morality things that you can do. And so it's got a lot of replayability. It's just, like, I don't know. It's so weird. I've never been this into a game like this before in terms of how difficult it is. But I'm loving the design, especially the monsters are so gross. Like, the boss design is really incredible. And Yeah, I'm looking at some of the pictures right now. And uh, it looks really cool. I love the pixel. The pixel um, style. Yeah. And it's, um, it's put out by the arcade crew who um it's like a collective of different studios in europe who put out arcade like these kind of retro style games and it's um developed by the berserk berserk studio so okay it is available um i think on every platform i'm playing it on my switch which i love um you can play it on console and you can play it on pc and mac um so if you find that you do like this game a whole lot and you want to like continue riding that ride um, I don't know if you've heard of it or have played it or anything, but Sultan Sanctuary. Mm. Have you heard of this? Mm -mm. It came out in like 2016. It's also on the Switch. And it sort of like combines, um, I would say, Castlevania with like a a feeling of um, Dark Souls. Ooh. And it also has a really great art style to it. Completely different kind of art style, but it's also like taking that kind of side-scrolling Castlevania uh, feel to it um, where you like you're customizing your character and all that kind of stuff too and you can play with different weapons and it is a lot of fun so if you finish this game and you're like i want to continue that route i really would recommend playing that one what's it called again salt and sanctuary salt okay yeah and this one's cool like this one's cool because you can like upgrades and get different um spells but you have the same weapon you just upgrade your one weapon and i think okay games like that i like I like because I, I, again, I have, I think I have undiagnosed ADHD or something with my brain because it's like there's too much to like juggle mm. sometimes for me and it gets kind of overwhelming. But in this one, it's very pretty, it's pretty straightforward and you can easily level up and it's very simple and there's one weapon and a couple spells and gotcha. it's awesome. It's like very easy for my brain to like 
put it all in one thing and like that makes sense strategize and it's also a platformer and part so it's really hard i i'm not a huge fan of platformers (laughs) but yes so infernax it just came out a couple weeks ago i highly recommend if you like dungeon crawlers and things like castlevania and like retro style games it's really good and the soundtrack is incredible so i have added it to my list of things to play yes it's so fun because it looks really good it's really cool and it's just like there's a satis- there's like this the satisfaction when you finally beat a boss and you're like I mm. did it and like where you mm-hmm. get that key or that's oh it's just it's riding that high the past couple of days oh i know that high very very well well because you've also been playing a game pretty different but you're hunting dinosaurs so what I game am hunting have dinosaurs. you been playing <laughs> uh, i've been playing uh horizon forbidden Re- oh my gosh horizon forbidden west the sequel Yeehaw! to horizon zero dawn <laughs> <laughs> and uh have you do, are you familiar with the game at all these games i am yes i am familiar with horizon zero dawn i watched steve play a bunch of it and i i was really into it like the vibe and the main character and the dinosaurs like the weird dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and the low i yes i'm very very interested in this so it's it's post post apocalyptic is what they call it so it's (laughs) like thousand years in the future after an apocalypse happened that wiped out most of humanity and everyone is now in tribes living in a future that has forgotten uh modern day society and they had created these robots that are modeled off of dinosaurs and animals that were supposed to do terraforming and something happened. And now some of them are turning bad and you play as a tribe that kind of, or as a person from a tribe that kind of uh, finds this, like in the first game, you find this like focus thing that's on her head. That's like old tech from before the collapse. And all of a sudden she sees the world in a new light and she discovers that through the course of the first game, Spoiler for the first game that she is a clone of the of the woman that created Project Zero Dawn that was supposed to reborn reborn society and then that didn't happen and so now she's trying to put everything together and in this game she is heading west to the coast of America to find all these different AI that are supposed to be together to form this AI of Gaia that is supposed to prevent another apocalypse from happening because there is a ticking clock as there always is. And meanwhile, she's dealing with like uh, rival clans and she's also hunting. And the hunting is what I love about this game because Mm. I love games that have bows and arrows. I love bow and arrow games. And when you play a game like Horizon that has that combat just so perfectly tuned, you spend most of your time, or at least I do, hunting these packs of dinosaurs and finding analyzing them finding the components you want to knock off because if you kill them without knocking off the components then the components can be destroyed or damaged and you can't use them so it's a bunch of like finding their weak points specific parts of them and then it becomes a puzzle of like shooting off those components before you destroy the the robot and so there's that's what i spend a lot of the time doing it's open world which i'm not a huge fan of open world games but okay the combat is so good to me that i just love i it keeps me going i've played maybe i think i've played 16 hours of it i'm maybe a fourth of the way through oh wow so, holy shit <laughs> it's a very long game i mean i'm taking my time i'm not i think if you beeline it through the story it won't take too terribly long but i am i'm spending a lot of time hunting finding all the little things because my problem with open world games is that you open up the map and then it feels like you're doing a bunch of 
checking off things, you know what I mean? Instead of like playing the game. And so mm-hmm. I don't, I, I honestly don't know problem. if I'll finish. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if I'll finish the game. <laughs> because I don't ever, I don't tend, I didn't finish the first one. I got my enjoyment out of it. I played it for maybe 30 or 35 hours. So I got. Oh, wow. Okay. Enjoyment out of it. But I get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm done. That's my problem with open world games. I get overwhelmed by all the things you can do. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. there's too much. Uh, too much things, too ma- too many, too many things, too little time. I need like a little bit more <laughs> direction yeah. for me with my games. Yeah, and and the thing about this game is that you can almost beeline it through the story, but okay. like if you open up your map and you look at it, there are all of these little icons. There's all these little question marks. Mm-hmm. There's all these little doohickeys, and I find myself going, "I'm gonna go over here." No, I'm gonna go over there. No, I'm gonna go over here. And before you know it, you're like. 10 levels above the the quest level that you're supposed to be at because I've just been like zooming across the map going check, 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 check. Yes. And that's my problem with open world games. So I don't know if I'll actually complete this game and I'm actually going to be putting it on side at a side because Elden Ring comes out when this episode drops and that's going to be taking up all of my time. And that's open world, Terry. (laughs) (sighs) I know. When you said I don't like open world, I'm like, oh no, oh no. I know. I know. But, like, Dark Souls games, they're not open world, but they feel more open world, I feel like, from what I've played. I mean, this one is apparently, like, Zelda open world. Like... Oh. Like the new Zelda game. Yeah. Oh. But... The me- from what I'm understanding from this, and I will I will know more, and I will be talking about this a whole lot more in Little Cuts next week, I know for sure. But um, from what I understand, it doesn't give you that feel of open world games, of like checking off everything. Oh, okay. So, okay. we'll see. I'm. It's getting great reviews. I'm really excited for it. It's my probably most anticipated game of like the last five years. So, I'm I'm hoping that I'm going to love it because... Uh, you're going to probably be spending upwards of 100 hours in it if you really like it, because every, all the reviewers are saying, I've played it for 70 hours and I haven't finished it yet. 70 hours. Sometimes I'm glad I don't write video game reviews. <laughs> like, oh, I, I know. Watch, I can just watch an hour and a half long movie <laughs> and not have to worry about <laughs> anything else. I just think about that all the time with video game coverage. I'm like, y'all are doing the Lord's work. Like, you are putting in so many hours into one game for one review. Like, not just one, other stuff too, but still, like, that's a lot of fucking work. Well, and from what I'm understanding, like, they're like, we got to get this done by the embargo because the embargo came up, well, the day we're we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, I wasn't going to get it done. So, and I don't think I have read a single review that hasn't finished that game, but... Yeah, writing about games, man. Good on y'all. At least a movie. I mean, we complain about a movie when it goes over two hours. I know. They're like, I'm sorry. I have to Ugh. actively engage with this game for over 70 hours to make ed- an educated and like well-formed opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I've written video game reviews before and not my favorite. So, yeah. the power to you, to my video game writers out there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was Horizon Forbidden West, and now we're going to do something completely different. What is this found footage horror folk film that we talked about this week, Mary Beth? So, this week I made Terry watch the 2013 <laughs> uh, British found footage folk horror movie The Borderlands, which is also known as Final Prayer. 
And I picked this one because I love this movie and it has a horrific ending that I feel like a lot of people should see because it's disgusting and awful. So I'm so curious to hear your thoughts about Borderlands. But before, okay, before I hear your thoughts, I'll just give a super quick synopsis for everyone to catch them up. This is from, um... Letterboxd. Uh, Vatican investigators are sent to the British West Country to investigate paranormal activity, and they find the events are more disturbing than they first imagined. That's putting it lightly. Yeah, lightly. But, like, essentially they claim, this is a small church in the countryside claims, oh, there's a miracle happening here. The Vatican goes to confirm whether or not it's a miracle. Guess what? It's not a miracle. It's something fucking scary. The end. That's it. That's the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) I mean, I have a question about the ending, and y'all, we're going to spoil this ending, because I have questions. So, if you don't want to know the ending, uh, sorry. <laughs> watch this on, pa- stop listening to this and go watch it on Tubi. It's, for, it's free on Tubi. Okay. So, if you're all with us, did they crawl into a worm? Something like that. Like, they, it's, it's a worm or some kind of monster that is underneath the church, and they crawl inside of it, and it yeah. actively digests them. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure, because I was like, the uh, they're, they're crawling. The little butthole thing puckering at the back and the front. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if it's a worm. It's something. It's a, li- it's, it's a living creature, let's just put it that way. Something ancient and cr- weird underneath the church that eats them. Yeah, it was really fucked up. <laughs> I was I I watched this movie with Cassie, oh and we're God, sitting Cassie, there, so and we're sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I know this is supposed to be a fucked up ending, but they're just crawling. I was like, what's gonna happen? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I think inside, I think inside a worm. What? What? Did they just like crawl into a worm's asshole or something? What is? What is going on? And then they get digested. And it was gnarly. I'm a little confused as to how that relates to some of the weird shit that was happening around the church. Mm-hmm. I will say. That's um, because there was this one, one, one of my favorite little moments in the movie is actually when uh, one of the characters, I'm trying to remember who it was, Gray, is out in the cemetery. And there is like... He's like looking around at the headstones and there's a camera and it doesn't really draw any attention to it, but the headstone has his name on it and then it pans away and when it pans back, it's someone else's name on it. So there's mm-hmm. that really kind of cool moment that I, because I, I really like that. I love moments like that when there's something where if you're not paying attention to something in the background, you're going to miss the creepiness altogether. And so that was actually one of my favorite moments in this moment, in this movie. And it seems small, but that is, again, that is my cup of tea where it's like, <gasps> The headstone changed. I love that. I also love Daylight Horror. There's a moment where he turns around, there's a dog in front of him, and that terrified the shit out of me. Again, don't do dogs very well. Um, I also really like the line where he's like, Dan Brown was right about you lot. Love that. <laughs> there's an incredible line, too. when they're So they're walking up. This church is like, you have to drive to the church and walk up a massive hill. So it gets very full horror-y in that aspect of like, they're mm-hmm. in an idyllic British village and this church of like re- basically it's like religion came like the civilized religion of Catholicism mm-hmm. came in to like dismantle these druidic ancient paganistic beliefs mm-hmm. and whatever they built the church on top of and whatever was they built the church on top of the worshiping of um 
like the grounds where they ha- they worshipped this ancient tribal like hold on let me restart that the church is built on these ancient grounds where they used to have these pagan rituals which is also the weird underground house of whatever weird creature is underneath the ground which connotes that it is perhaps older than religion itself which i always mm-hmm. love in movies like this like in dark, mm-hmm. similar to dark waters where there's something fucked up and creepy in the walls of a church right. which is why i thought this would be kind of a cool and interesting contrast because they mm-hmm. have a, like an interesting similar kind of ending with weird cosmic-y fleshy folklore-y, fleshy things in the walls of holy of holy um buildings that it's like oh wait like religion is not does not go as as um as long as these creatures do but they're walking up to the church and there's a dog attacking a rabbit and they go that's the way it is like eat or be eaten or something which is the best foreshadowing to the end mm. when they are mm-hmm. literally getting eaten and i never i hadn't caught that before until my most recent watch about it and like this what one line is so like throwaway but it, it basically foreshadows the rest of the movie and it's so cool yeah i do feel like this is a movie uh that would benefit watching a second time um yes. because like there's a lot of things that i was sitting there afterwards going is this why this happened is this why this happened and i would like to like Re- rewatch it knowing there's a giant worm or something <laughs> living underneath the building because there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff and I do love how the c- town kind of turns on them. Yes, and I hadn't caught that the first time I watched it, but this time it's 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 subtle. Like they don't focus as much on like the townspeople, but like they light a they light a sheep on fire and have it like run towards their house at one point, like. Weird shit like that, where it's like, these people are very in on what's going on, and they don't want you here. Mm -hmm. Like, they know what's happening is not a miracle. What is happening is supposed to be happening. Leave. Or, thank you for being our sacrificial lambs. (laughs) Like, please. (laughs) Thanks for crawling in the worm's butthole. Thanks for crawling in the worm's butthole. Um... (laughs) But yeah, I didn't catch it as much the first time I watched it. And I, so I watched this movie, um while ago for the first time and the ending upset me so much i never watched it again until this year oh wow because the ending is i still could say it's one of the most fucked up endings of a movie i've ever seen because the live just like watching in first person pov two men being digested in stomach acid is just the most horrific thing i've ever seen and it i watch i watched it because i wrote about it because of course why wouldn't i and i I loved rewatching it because I got so much out of it again, but it's still one of the most upsetting. And it's called The Final Prayer because e- it ends with them saying a prayer as they are being mm-hmm. actively melted alive by acid. And it's... Yum. I just like, it's folklore in a way you wouldn't expect, though, because it seems like a religious horror movie with the Vatican mm-hmm. and everything. And I also that's why I really enjoyed it being kind of a surprise folklore movie mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, no, no, this is something like... <laughs> worse than christianity and demons like this is like a weird thing that lives under the ground and i love when found footage movies do that like movies in general but found footage movies i feel like do that kind of sneaky thing really well with that kind of like oh surprise actually this kind of movie and you were like what the fuck and i just think it's neat my only complaint really is i thought gray was annoying as fuck he's the tech guy gray or oh the tech guy yeah 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 
the tech guy. I think he's annoying as fuck. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's this the tech guy who is like a, like works for the Vatican and is along for the ride to like set up. He's like, I set up all the cameras and I watch everything and I'm the guy that does the interviews. And then there's like the grizzled Vatican guy who's like, who I love, I Deacon. Oh, uh, Deacon. He's like, I was involved in something similar a while ago and everyone died. And it's like the very like similar kind of tropes, but they, they work well in this though. Mm-hmm. They doesn't seem too tried i mean i'm not saying it's the best found footage movie i've ever seen but i think it's really interesting i think it does some smart stuff especially with this ending that like you don't Mm -hmm. see a lot so yeah absolutely i'm glad that you enjoyed it i know you're not a big footage person but i'm glad that you at least the ending got you oh it did it did we were like staring at the screen with like mouse like what well, again, like folklore doesn't always go that 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 far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like folklore is either like a little bit more like there's monsters, but it, it's not as explicit like that. So I kind of mm-hmm. love pushing it even to that nest, like that even nastier. Like, oh no, you are literally food for an ancient pagan <laughs> deity. Like, ain't nothing you can do about it now. You're stuck in a sphincter. Oh, they crawl into a sphincter. Oh, <laughs> it's so gnarly. Um. But yeah, so double feature dark waters, guys. It's a great double feature. Yeah, that it actually is a good it's double actually, feature together. It's not a bad one, and that's why yeah. I suggested it. I was like, this is this feels right. But um, we're gonna go back to like more <laughs> traditional folk horror next week. Terry, what are we watching next week? Uh, so next week we are going to go to the Soviet Union for the very first Soviet Union produced horror film called Vai. Vai. I had to like look it up. It's V-I-Y. It's on Shudder, but I believe it's pronounced Vai. Uh, and it looks really kind of cool. It's a young priest is ordered to preside over the wake of a witch in a small wooden church of a remote village. They have to spend three nights alone with the corpse with only his faith to protect him. I'm so excited. 1967. Again, it's on Shutter. It's also in the Woodlands Dark and whatever box set yep. from that that Severin put out. So watch along with us. Yes, I'm so excited. This is what I've been meaning to watch for a while. So I Same. am so stoked to finally watch it. And really cool that it's going to be a uh, Soviet Union movie. Yeah. Like the first one from the Soviet Union. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But speaking of being so excited, Mary Beth... Who are we talking to on Monday? Y'all, <laughs> we are talking to Lady fucking Dimitrescu from Resident Evil Village, a.k.a. Maggie Robertson, the incredible voice actor and motion capture performer behind the tall vampire lady we all love so we dearly. We all love. All love. Step on us. Step on us. She is so cool and funny, mm. and we talk with her about uh, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory with a little dash of Charlie on the Chocolate Factory from 2005. So, hey, <laughs> hey, I cannot believe that we got this conversation, and we've been, like, trying to not, like, shit it out, shout it out, shout it out, shit it out, is what I was... Just shit it out. Just, just shit, shit it out. Every- <laughs> shit it out. Like, we're the earthworm in the end yep. of uh, I, in Final fact- Prayer. I in I in fact digested those men and shit them out in excitement for this. <laughs> hey, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. Do. Fuck the you patriarchy. Do. They're not gonna <laughs> fuck themselves. Fuck the patriarchy. Shit out men. Um, yeah, there, that's, there we go. <laughs> um, so on that note, everybody. <laughs> 
you have heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or play a game that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Treadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And remember, Mary Beth is giving out found footage horror recommendations if you give us a review. Uh, so make sure you're doing that and give us a rating and make sure you're subscribed because it helps us out immensely. And if you want another found footage recommendation from mm. me, I highly suggest you donate money to uh, Trans Texas because of all the horrible things going on in Texas. If you donate $10 or more and DM the receipt to me or Dread Central, I'll give you another found footage recommendation because we need to protect trans lives and trans kids. And uh, Abbott's a piece of garbage. So uh, yes. let's fight that bullshit. And, you know, and if you can't donate, that's fine. Spread the word. If you're in Texas, please vote. Um, and please just do whatever you can to support the queer and trans people in your lives right now. It's really, really hard for them. And we just need to do whatever we can to help protect those kids and those people. Yep. We'll make sure to uh, put that information in the show notes. So there will be a link to the tweet so you can follow uh, all that information there. Yes. Um, so thank you guys. Um, but thank you, Eric Parr, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>